Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by Draper Gorenholm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Hey everyone, it is me. We are here. Uh, we, Joseph is here too. Say hi, Joseph. Hey, what's up? Boom, boom, boom. We're recording. Good morning, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I am recording this on the computer now. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Boom. All right. It says it's recording. Boom. 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 I am apparently recording. The entire bottle of control. They're all exactly the same. Crypto art. And then what it really is, is an NFT. Wow. Eddie wants to slap the bag. So this is the next best thing. DeFi is going to be a bubble. It's provably scarce. With Mad Dog. Crypto, gold, and silver. Transparent substance. Take my money and start a war with it. Without further ado. Cheers to you, brother. Get shit done. Because the system has to collapse before that. Cheers. I feel much better now. Cheers. (laughs) Wow. That was heavy. Hey, Steven, you're on. Hey. Good to see you. I think we lost Charles. Hey, Alon, we're we're live. Do do we see the room of um um guests or anything like that? Yo, everyone. Uh, yes, you are live. Uh, I guess I'll just uh, use this as an excuse to tell everyone. Uh, I was telling them in the chat that uh, I am uh, on quarantine with COVID. I have my kids in the background. It's chaos, so that's why I'm not on screen. But you're in great hands with this crew. Uh, Jor is a longtime friend in the space and is. Definitely the next guest host of Blockchain and Booze that will be a better host than I am. So I'm going to sneak off. And uh, yeah, Charles, it says device is not connected. So I don't know if you turned it off, but do a a hard refresh of your browser. I'll throw you on stage. Uh, Oh, here he's back. Boom. All right, guys. uh, Without uh, further ado, uh, it was great to uh, see you guys and... You're in you're in George's hands now. All right, great. And Alon, before you leave, um, okay. You know, will 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 we get questions from folks? How do we see questions or anything, something uh, like that? The QA is in the in the in the uh, Remo thing, but I'll I'll grab some of the best questions from the QA and I'll ask the uh, the crew to uh, to uh, ask questions and I'll. Put them into the chat here so you guys see them so you don't have to juggle the extra windows like i normally have a weird setup all right cool and then everyone who's on obviously if you guys you know can stick around afterward uh and hang out in remo uh it'd be cool for folks you know to be able to talk to you directly as well remo has like, yes i'll do rooms. i'll do the little homework part actually which is for those on all of the streams you can go to meet.blockchainbooze.io if you're watching this on youtube if you're watching this on 
the Lunar Crush stream. There's thousands of you who are out there watching the stream right now and only uh, about 100 in the system. So if you go into the system and you want to turn on your camera when everybody is done at uh, 6 p.m. PST, you'll be able to uh, join everyone in the tables, hang out with the community, and have some fun. So, um, so yeah, thank you guys for joining us. All right, great. Thanks, Alon. Um, thank you. Everybody, we can't see you, but we know you're out there. Um, we got a bunch of lawyers uh, in, 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 on the call, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it once for everybody, uh, a, a little disclaimer. You know, nothing we say might be true or might not be true and could be reliable or not. So, you know, none of it's legal advice. <laughs> um, hey, um, you know, everyone on, on this call pretty much knows each other, um, but not everyone in the audience uh, knows us. So maybe just really short, brief intros, who you are, what do you do, uh, uh, what company are you with? Um, Solomon, why don't we start with you and then go to Josh, Charles, and then Stephen. Absolutely, thank you for having me. So I'm Solomon Sesfai, I'm the head of business development and capital markets at T0. Um, T0, if you're less familiar with it, is the global leading liquidity platform for private securities and digital assets. I've been with the firm for about three years, backgrounds primarily investment banking, uh, venture capital and operations. Wow, that was that was too short, man. I wasn't ready. Uh, so I'm, I'm Josh Lawler. I'll be drinking uh, Angry Orchards today. Camera, there we go. Um, I am a partner at the law firm Zuber Lawler, uh, where I practice transactional law, much of which is uh, distributed ledger technology oriented. Um, that spans through securities law, uh, technology in general, and doing a lot with NFTs and intellectual property, uh, getting into the, the metaverse and just kind of continuing to find innovative ways to try to make things happen in a legally uh, allowable manner. Charles, you're on mute. There we go. Hi, uh, I'm Charles Kaufman. I'm an attorney at Liquidity PC, a boutique uh, corporate and securities law firm located here in Los Angeles. And uh, our involvement with distributed ledger technology is uh, closely allied with the, the, the securities side of it. We, we generally advise uh, companies that are looking to uh, issue digital assets that will either be considered securities and to raise capital with them under the in compliance with the securities laws, or uh, if people are trying to design a digital asset so it's not a security and they can uh, be traded just on a crypto uh, exchange. And uh, uh, good to see everyone here on the on the on the platform virtually, and uh, hopefully we can actually meet in person sometime soon. <laughs> Hi, I'm Stephen Rutenberg. It's great to be here, particularly with Jor and Solomon and Josh, people I've met with and, and uh, presented with uh, pre, in person pre-COVID. So it's good to be be, 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 with, be with you guys again. I am with Pulsinelli. We're about a thousand person domestic only U.S. law firm uh, where I'm one of the two co-heads of our fintech crypto practice uh, where we're basically... A, Looking at every looking at everything in the blockchain crypto space, that our clients, both our major firm clients, are seeing much more interest in the space from real estate to healthcare, as well as numerous startups uh, in 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 all in all stages of it. And it's just a fascinating place to be. It would be nice if the regulations were were easier, and we weren't trying to scratch our head about telling people 
not to do things in the U.S. and so on. But uh, security tokens are actually something that actually is very usable in the U.S. So it's one of the one of the one of the brighter lights from a regulatory perspective, at least. All right, and uh, I'm Jor Law. Um, I have worked with pretty much almost everybody on here. Uh, I worked with Solomon at T0 in the issuance department. Uh, I worked under, uh, you know, Josh Lawler once upon a time, maybe a decade ago, and I was a uh, former partner um, with Charles Kaufman. And then Steve Rutenberg, well, his firm was too good for me, so like they wouldn't <laughs> take me. But you know, he did offer me an office one day when I was in uh, when I was in New York. So I, I've got some connection there too. Um, no, but seriously, we, we have a good group of uh, folks who have been, uh, you know, really at the forefront of security tokens um, since the very beginning. Uh, you know, T0 was doing things in security tokens before, you know, there were security token companies out there. Um, and they really found their stride. Um, I'm happy to have uh, spent some time with them. And Josh, Charles, Stephen, they were up, they were there, you know, you know, talking about securities. Uh, before you know the SEC came out and you know said the DAO was you know came out with the DAO report, so everyone's a a, a true veteran in the space of security tokens. Um, we're all friends here, so I'm going to actually try to uh, keep this casual. Um, but you know, Stephen, since you kind of brought up regulation, you know, let, let's start there, right? Um, you know, the the crypto industry in general is very um, kind of they've they've had they've had it right with with regulators they're they're a little bit annoyed even someone like me i was very pro sec very very defensive of the government and and regulators you know they have a hard job it's hard for them to set rules that apply to everybody this and this and that uh and and i've turned increasingly uh disillusioned with them um how do you guys feel um the regulation is these days you know where's the silver lining where's it not or is it not that bad it's just the same old rules applying the same uh, everybody else and 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 you know crypto should find a way to fit in um what do you guys think about that and i think it's anybody jump in i'm trying not to rant <laughs> go rant. rant first off am i the only person drinking on this entire thing i'm just all right not at all Okay, thank you. I, I, <laughs> on that one. I have a, I have a German beer, which is about as close as I could find to something like Ukrainian to show some support to what they're uh, going through tonight. Fair, so, fair yeah. enough. Um, which is I didn't want to bring down the Russian vodka, so like German yeah. beer seems to get somewhere near there. Whole 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 other topic. Um, so you know, to to your question, Jor, um, I think that if you're talking about tokenized financial products, the SEC is for the most part pretty good. Um, and the structures that we've had are, for the most part, pretty good. Um, I did raise an eyebrow over the recent announcement that they'd like to raise the accredited investor definition by 10x. Um, I, I'm hoping that that's just somebody thinking they'll do that and people won't mind if they raise it by 2x, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, but I think outside of the financial product zone, um, it, it's a mess. Um, you know, a few people have already intimated the idea of steering clients offshore to do things that, you know, are easier to do offshore. We certainly do that also. Um, I know that there are plenty of moves afoot to try to steer some of the regulatory out of the SEC. Um, you know, obviously the CFTC is a, an obvious space for some of it to go. Um, but, um, you know, I think I like to think changes are coming. I guess in the next 18 months or so that we may be looking at something very different finally. 
And to add to totally second everything you're saying, I also think, I mean, on one hand, I think many people in the industry have gotten frustrated with the pay with with regulators. I mean, but on the other hand, I think you also see a realization that we kind of need regulation. You don't hear as much clients coming to you saying, uh, "I, you know, this is this is this is a, this is a token. This is not this. There's no no regulations apply." It's almost more painful when they come to you and say, "I want to comply. I want to comply," and then they're like. You mean we have this regulator and that regulator, and then once we're done with those, like there's the state regulators. So there's there's a much more of a realization that this industry is going to need to be regulated, and there's no such thing as just being outside of regulation. I'm, I'm going to shine a flashlight in a different direction, though, because I think you're like that's one way to look at it. But man, the NFT world, um, look out! That's that's ICO 2.0 waiting to happen um, because those guys don't realize that under Howie, they're like walking right into investment contracts. And yes, it can be a collectible and a security at the same time. Or even uh, an investment company. I mean, they're even an investment company. I mean, it's kind yeah, of. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there is. Uh, but look, I mean, to the at least the things I'm seeing, and maybe this is more, I don't think it's as bad as the first ICOs. There is not as, there is not as many people really with fraudulent, projects, no intention of going through with them. I mean, the things that the industry saw, which I think there is some blame for the SEC getting involved because, I mean, you had people really doing fraud and like, like, let's just get me to the audit and then I'm, 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 I'm running off. I don't see that today. Maybe we're seeing better clients, but it's, it's people. Yes. People are being very cavalier in the NFT space and there is probably some crackdown coming there, but I still don't find it nearly as, what I found to be terrible in the, in the, in the, in the ICO where people would go on stage, really sell things that I mean the investors buying, at least what I'm seeing, even in the NFT space, they're basically accredited investors or somewhat or, or, or sophisticated. And they're, they, they know the risk of what they're buying. I think there is still a lot of naivete though. And people who are coming into NFTs with a lot of excitement uh, who, who don't have a lot of familiarity with, uh, with the financial world and, and uh, cross, crossing the line into securities offerings and and violating regulations without really knowing what they're what they're getting into. And, and in uh, our experience, oh, sorry, Charles. I didn't no, no, please, please go ahead. No, no, absolutely. In, in our in our experience, at least a lot of the household names that we've been in conversation with that are looking to pursue NFTs, a lot of them have actually been approaching as securities. A lot of them have been doing Reg A pluses, for example, mm -hmm. because they also want to fractionalize uh, the NFTs. Um, so we are seeing that by pursuing a U.S.-based venue, they view as a validation for their project. Um, and a lot of that, the larger players are pursuing just doing reggae pluses. And we're seeing a lot of collectible sites as well that historically may have done collectibles, such as baseball cards, comic books, and so forth, that are now transitioning into uh, reggae plus security NFTs as well. I think it's a good framework. I mean, it, it kind of follows a little bit what the peer-to-peer -peer lending yeah. world was doing where you'd have a, a, a sort of a master filing under Reg A of, of your format of NFT, and then each NFT issuance can be a, uh, an amendment or modification or an issuance under the umbrella yeah, of Reg A filing. An issuance of another series. And that's kind of what I was alluding to in the beginning, that if you wanted, there are ways to, if you're willing to sell something that is a, that is a security and you're selling it as a security, the law, yes, the SEC is too slow to approve things that have the word blockchain in it, but the law does work and Reg A plus does work. And I have to say, we're, we're always encouraging clients to do that. The problem is 
the kind of what Josh was hinting at before is they'll say, why should I do that? You know, blah, 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 and blah, blah. I just just sold it and they're they're living on their their pot they're living on their pot of money and then we used to say well you know the sec is investigating that one so but right. to, to your point that is that is a method that works i mean if somebody wants a, a token on a network or those there there really isn't an reggae plus equivalent that works for like some sort of network type token yet maybe yeah. there never will be but for this yes this is how what the better way to do it yeah i mean i, I run into trouble with gap accounting and, you know, exchange act reporting, um, which, you know, you're, you're talking about stuff, you, you know, you're, you're going to run into, you know, public reporting requirements relatively quickly, because unlike, you know, the regular markets, there's no street name holders kind of keeping your, your number down. And, you know, what exactly is the exchange act reporting for board apes? Like anybody want to clue <laughs> in on that one? Um, so, you know, then, you know, fine, you've got your, your primary sale. Fine, you can do secondary, you know, peer-to-peer -peer type sales, but for any real liquidity to develop, you know, the the like, you know, Solomon, you you tell me how does T zero react to that type of stuff? So, so regarding what we we just to take a step back, what we do is when we have any issue, we do formal business, legal, and reputational due diligence. So that typically filters out a lot of these projects that we're kind of alluding to that are trying to evade regulatory. Um, environments and they're going off ship off seas and we've had even overseas trading assets that have made the transition over to our platform one recently actually um, because they wanted that validation but regarding what we're approaching on the nft side at least right now is security nfts um, that's what we're pursuing we're of course looking into um, non-securities as well but um, within my vertical specifically everything we're working with is issued as a security hey solomon i if i'm not mistaken t0 I believe for equity securities uh, does does have a provision or does uh, is is experimenting with a, a nominee arrangement where where someone could have one record holder or few record holders and that the token holders would be beneficial holders and maybe not trigger the the um, the two thousand holder limit. Um, yes, and I if I'm correct. Happy, yeah. happy to have my counsel actually address that head on. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, but the answer, the simple answer is yes. But um, I, I would want to unpack that amongst all these lawyers um, and then naturally I'll have the holes poked in it because I got a full disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, that is the answer to that is simple, yes. Yeah, he's he's, he's basically the client. Yeah, um, hey. in, in, in theory, just to follow that up, I mean, let, let's say T0 did that and that's great. You know, if you're talking about assets that aren't limited to the T0 platform, that, that still seems like that's, you know, a very small thing next to, you know, however many peer-to-peer -peer holders there might be. Was that a right. question? No, it was more of a comment. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we really deal with two scenarios here at T0. One is um, direct trading, where it's a seasoned Reg D506C that we're enabling to trade on our platform. The other scenario is Reg 8 Pluses, which, as you all know, have no lockup periods, and still we consider that essentially a direct trading event. Then we have the, the other scenario that we deal with, which is a capital raise and then trading similar private placement, whether it's a reg D or rather it be, be a reg A plus. Uh, but we really are dealing with primarily those two scenarios as opposed to any of these esoteric scenarios that I think we're kind of alluding to. Hey, Solomon, I want to I want to keep it on you for a little bit because, you know, some news came out of uh, out of T0 in the last week or two. Um, big, big news, right? Uh, new CEO. Um, you know, you managed to retain uh, Alan, who, you know, you and I know extremely great for the organization. 
Um, and, and then now you've got, you know, BSTX, you've got T0ATS. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, uh, the exchange uh, versus the ATS. Um, like who, who's, who um, might be interested in the T0 ATS and who might be interested in the exchange? Absolutely. So just to unpack the, the big news that we announced, um, Intercontinental Exchange, which is the owner of the New York Stock Exchange and 11 other exchanges, uh, did lead our previous round. Um, so we were very pleased with that. As we can all imagine, uh, there's plenty of synergies there in terms of their global footprint and their infrastructure. Um, and then on top of that, we also have David Goon, who was the chief strategy officer at um, ICE, um, that is transitioning over as our, our CEO. He was at ICE for 21 years, so really worked hand in hand with the rest of the executives building out ICE to what it is today. So very tangible experience, relevant experience, what we're, we're trying to achieve in the, in the private markets and just digital assets more broadly. And then to answer your second part of your question, um, contrasting the ATS versus um, the BSTX. Um, so the ATS is, of course, an alternative train system for those that are not as familiar with ATSs, um, which you could view as basically essentially a diluted exchange. It's very conducive to trading private equity. It also could trade public equity. But if you are looking to go public formally and have market makers and a lot of the other uh, nuances that are associated with an exchange, the BSTX would be an appropriate venue for you because that is a full-blown exchange um, so that's really the contrast between those two um, two platforms. So to give an example of what's pursuing the ATS as a trading venue, you know, real estate, for example, if you're doing a $25 million offering, a Reg D506C may not make sense for you to actually go through the whole full IPO um, process, given the cost, of, you know, of cost of liquidity to actually do that. So the ATS probably is the most appropriate venue for you in that scenario. But for certain assets that are looking to have market makers and a lot of the other uh, things that come with an exchange, uh, BSTX would be the appropriate venue for that. Great, great. Um, and then, you know, Charles, you know, I, I know you worked, you know, uh, on a deal that kind of for a client that interacted with T0, you know, without kind of disclosing kind of confidential information, can you give us a little bit of information about, the, you know, what you were doing? Uh, well, we actually have a number of clients that are talking to T0, but I, I, I think probably the deal you're alluding to is a, uh, uh, it's going to be a, a, a traded fund of crypto mining assets and probably going to register as an investment company. And uh, T0 has been kind of going hand in hand with us in the, in the process of, of staking out that terrain to have a, a tokenized uh, fund, which... Uh, it's sort of uh, double tokenized because it's investing in in crypto mining assets at the at the at the uh, uh, portfolio end. And uh, one of the uh, T0 to me, you know, of, of all the ATSs out there, have been working towards this goal for the last few years. They've got the most sort of infrastructure and they're farthest along. One of the things that really uh, surprised me uh, was not only are they set up for for a seven trading, which we know they did with their own uh, issuance and with uh, Aspen St. Regis, where during that one year restricted period, you can have accredited investors trading amongst each other. You can also have a separate pool of foreign investors trading. And they even allow the permitted, the, the, there are cross, cross trades between those two pools that are permitted by the regulations that I never imagined anyone would want to deal with the complexity of actually setting up infrastructure to allow that. But T0 has that. Uh, so, uh, you know, pretty uh, impressive. They are most most of the platforms out there seem to be uh, 
aligning or uh, acquiring a their own transfer agent. Uh, T0 is, is sort of transfer agent agnostic. They, they'll, they'll accept whatever transfer agent you, you bring to them. And, uh, 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 you know, that's, that's become an important piece of the puzzle, I think, is to, to have a transfer agent on board early on. And, uh, and if you have to switch transfer agents in order to list, you may end up actually having duplicate registers and not, not really having the full uh, benefit of, uh, of a distributed ledger technology. And, and Charles, really appreciate your kind words. At T0, we really look to, one, be agnostic in certain regards, transfer agents being one of them. We view transfer agents as a great on-ramp to the platform, similar to investment banks like post a syndication. We want any middle market firm or any bold racket firm to feel comfortable sending us um, their, that issuer along with investors that are on that cap table. Um, because it naturally just is very conducive for being an aggregator of liquidity um, as opposed to vertically integrating certain aspects, which can actually create a competitive dynamic with some of these players. Um, and then aside from just investment banks and transfer agents, of course, you know, we've worked with everyone on this line, um, you know, in some capacity. And then we have, you know, other lawyers, investment banks, um, you know, issuance portals um, and so forth and other advisors globally that we view as essentially on ramps um, to uh, the T0 platform, because, of course, um, there's no competitive dynamics in that in that scenario, given the fact that investors from one asset will cross pollinate into other assets. So it works out where we ideally are going to get this echo effect as we begin to scale. Cool. Thank you. Hey, Stephen and Josh, you know, you guys have, you know, for years, you know, talked to me and, and sought out connections to various, you know, securities, tokens, providers, et cetera. So I know you guys are extremely active in the space. Um, what, what makes you, you know, when a client comes to you and says, hey, I want to do security tokens, what goes through your mind? You know, because, you know, obviously before security tokens existed, these same clients would have came to you to go raise money and would have been subject to uh, the securities laws anyway. Um, you know, are, are you are you feeling, you know, that, you know, tokenization, you know, is is the right strategy for them that, that gives them a lot of things that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise? Uh, or do you feel like maybe there's like a, a little bit of a headwind there? Well, Josh, you can go first and then I'll... Yeah, the, the first thing that goes through my mind is, oh, no, not again. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, almost always the, the, the first thing that has to happen is a quick explanation of exactly what the 33 Act regulates, because the entire definition security token and utility token is, has really always kind of gotten the, my hackles up. <laughs> You know, the, the reality is that, you know, the Securities Act doesn't actually regulate securities. It regulates transactions and the things in those transactions we call securities. And for 90 years, it just didn't matter. And now it does. Um, so, you know, where we, you know, invariably end up going is, okay, first question, is it a financial product or not? And are you raising capital with it? Because if it's a financial product, project, oh, pardon me, if it's a financial product, it's a security period done. If you're raising capital with it and you do it in the United States, it's going to be a security in the sense that the tokens that you sell to raise capital will be securities because they will be investment project products or pardon me, investment contracts. However, you might have a situation where you have other tokens that you would issue not in the capital raise in context of a use case. And those self-same tokens would not be securities because they weren't issued as investment contracts, which leads us to this like lovely Kafka-esque uh, points where the same token can be both a security and not a security, depending on what its transaction history has been. So, you know, that, that whole little kind of puzzle is the first thing that we do every single time. 
to try to get to you know the point of what is the real purpose for this token what is the use case and how can we get distribution or do whatever they're trying to do and do as little damage to the use case as possible because one, one of the big issues is that you know use case tokens don't do so well if they're regulated as securities and you know even after a one-year hold period that token is still an unrestricted security and still cannot be traded on a cryptocurrency exchange without somehow losing the moniker of security. So, you know, it really is kind of just this whole like initial, you know, discussion that we have to try to figure out the roadmap that that's appropriate. And yeah. I think Stephen ran away. No, yep. Stephen was like, forget it. I'm not answering that one. I'm just going <laughs> to hop off and leave. <laughs> hey, um, no. there was a question in the chat. Oh, go ahead, Charles. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I go through the exact same litany as Josh almost every, every, every day, you know, that if you if you want this to be a a, uh, a token that's frictionless and and infinitely tradable and fractionalizable, you, you don't start off with it being a security, you know, and, right. and well, I think even after also, a year, it's not going to be good. Yeah, to go chime ahead. in on that, I think it kind of fits into two. If the client comes, it fits into two groups. I mean, one group is is a client can everyone hear me okay yep yes one group is a client that's traditionally trying to raise money or for a real for a real estate project or any other project i mean or the, or they're looking for liquidity for let's say a building they own mm -hmm. and they want to they want to explore doing that as a security token as a way as a way of as a way of raising money and they're generally familiar with the laws and uh, they want to Unfortunately, I would say in most of those cases, and I think this is something that we all as an industry can work on, it ends up that the complexity and the cost of it ends up, ends up, ends up, ends up discouraging them. And uh, particularly on the liquidity side, I think we could figure out ways to make it work. But often they come to you thinking they're like, hey, I raised money through EB-5s to real estate. I hear this is, this is, this is, this is the next, this is the next thing. And uh, let's let's let, let we, I want to close a deal for this building in two weeks. And like, hmm. actually, the transaction costs are not they're higher than you think. And uh, legally, we can do this. And actually, after talking to Solomon about this, I mean, what I often will try to encourage to do, the client to do, I'm like, let's take a property you have or an asset you have and hmm. use the, use this for liquidity instead of raising money. That also kind of gets the more sophisticated players that actually own something and are not startups because with the cost involved in this industry and Solomon, please disagree. Uh, it doesn't, the cost of doing a security token. And I might, by that, I mean just a token for actually that you're raising money for doesn't work for a startup who want like five, two guys out of school want to buy a building and raise, raise money for that. It, I hope one day it works. It more works for the person who has the building and wants some level of liquidity. I really, I'd have to say it's one of our development goals is to really try to push more clients in that direction and into the direction of T0 and I guess some other ones as well, but T0 I think is the best uh, as a liquidity. And then there's what Josh was talking about, which are people who come and they really don't want to sell something that buy something that's security. They really want it to be a network token, but they say, I'm willing to have it be security and I must get that every day. And then it gets into what Charles and Josh were talking about that know that if you don't want it to be a security, it's really difficult to try to fit it into the securities laws because eventually you want this trading on your platform. So there's been this bifurcation, which I think still still applies today, like four years into the industry or more. Yeah. You so, know, Stephen, you talked a little bit about 
pricing and and you know maybe solomon after you kind of respond to that can we do we have the ability in this group here to give an accurate ballpark price of you know what tokenization really might cost someone once they add in the technology fees and the you know the securities lawyers fees and and all that stuff or do we want to just try to you know keep that behind closed doors so you can gouge your clients well, I, I personally think that may be factor in all those variables, legal fees, um, just tokenization fees and so forth. It's a daunting task because we've seen a big standard deviation depending on who's your counsel, for example, um, and a lot of other advisors that may be involved if there is a capital raise, of course, an investment bank or placement agent. Um, but I guess on some of the earlier points that were brought up, um, so direct trading is what we refer to individuals or GPs, sponsors, um, or just c-suite that are looking to give existing limited partners liquidity optionality that's something we are extremely bullish on um, and it absolutely makes sense from a cost of liquidity perspective where you may have a 25 million dollar asset with a dozen or so investors and then you know a number of the investors are looking for liquidity the, the actual gp doesn't want to sell the asset the asset's not conducive for going public and they don't want to use cash on the balance sheet to buy those investors out this is a very elegant solution just allow that portion of equity to float on our platform assuming that it's seasoned after a Reg D 506C um, or whatever the case, depending on how they issue the securities. And then we can allow it to, to trade on our platform. That was a very similar situation to you know, an, a case study that we're all familiar with, St. Regis Aspen Resort, where they had about a dozen or so investors that were on their cap table and they were looking for liquidity. And then they just floated that 20 million on our platform. And now that cap table, that portion of the cap table is north of 700 just through fractionalization. So it was actually daunting how um, the fractionalization and democratization actually occurred on the secondary trading side. So we're, we're pr focused primarily on direct trading. Um, so, and also a lot of these um, direct trading scenarios are asset managers that syndicate multiple deals. So they have multiple assets that they can onboard onto the platform. So it does create a great dynamic where you're dealing with one counterparty and they're looking to onboard multiple assets onto the platform because each asset has its own capital structure. Um, so that's, that's something and I think as time progresses and as the ecosystem grows, I, there are plenty of, of entities we're dealing with that are doing capital raises um, with secondary trading in mind because they're looking at using the, cap, the actual secondary trading piece as a catalyst for their capital raise or to reduce their cost of capital. So mm. either scenario we could deal with here at T0, but I agree that um, direct trading in the near term definitely makes sense from a cost of liquidity perspective. And Charles, you got to get some of those EB5 deals over to Solomon. You got so mm -hmm. many of these yeah. illiquid EB5 deals that have matured out. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it could be a good exit. And yeah, just, I mean, just there's, there's... Oh, sorry. One other point, just because I'm looking at the chat, um, and just to clarify, 25 million is just a, a simple number that I'm using as reference. Uh, we have a wide standard deviation of float sizes we're dealing with here at T0, um, but I just want to make sure that we have something digestible. And also, if uh, I like the other example about a two-person startup, certain things you don't want necessarily to be subject to market dynamics from a secondary trading perspective. So that's something that goes into our business due diligence as well, uh, where we're looking for assets that we think are conducive for secondary trading and are ready for secondary trading as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. I think, I mean, both both of them. I mean, a lot of clients, look, if clients are just trying to raise money. That's one thing. But liquidity isn't the answer. I mean, there's such a thing as penny stocks. I mean, there are plenty of stocks. I mean, if you have a stock that's not supported, it generally goes down. I mean, just the pure fact of liquidity does not provide, does not give you everything, everything you need. And even a lot of fairly sophisticated 
market participants don't necessarily realize that. And I think the St. Regis Aspen is a fascinating deal in both ways. One, it's really the best proof of concept of the durability of a tokenization. It's also, on the other hand, I was just telling this to a potential client last week, the fact that that deal, we're still talking about that deal in 2022, shows that uh, we, still, we still kind of have a ways to go. Uh, Absolutely, completely agree. Um, you know, I probably should have referenced Exodus or uh, you know one of the more recent deals like Curzio Research or we're going to be onboarding another asset in very short order. I won't get ahead of our communications team on that one, but uh, I completely agree with that. I think that the industry grew a little bit slower than people anticipated because I think there was this initial focus on capital raises, right? And, the, and then they made everybody subject to all the variables around capital raises as opposed to the point you brought up earlier around focusing on direct trading scenarios where there's more predictability around when it can actually trade. Yeah, I think the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I think a, a big question that's been hanging in the air for a few years is, um, will there be reliable market valuation if you don't have high volume and, and if you have the lesser levels of information that you have uh, when you're not a public company. And so a real estate-based project is a good test case because they have such readily ascertainable value. And we've seen thinly traded REITs and real estate portfolio securities have a, have a market value because they have a predictable yield and, and net asset value. Uh, if it's gonna be useful for operating companies that are, that are in other industries rather than uh, real estate, I think we still need to see how it will test out that people will know how much they should be buying and paying and, and uh, charging for stock in these transactions on an ATS. Yes, and we do require um, disclosure, of course. Um, you of know, course. At a bare minimum, 15.2C11 disclosure on our platform. Um, so you're looking at semi-annual and annual disclosure on audited financials and so forth, um, which all of you are well more familiar with than myself. But in general, of course, if it's a Reg A+, they're subject to greater levels of disclosure anyway. Um, so you, the investors are getting adequate information to make an informed investment decision. But I completely agree with you. Disclosure is key um, when it comes to kind of determining what the intrinsic value of these assets are. Yeah, I think um, there's a question in the, the chat about crowdfund about crowd about using about using crowd uh, crowdfunding. I believe that's the question, or using crowdfunding platforms in this space. And uh, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, there, one, there is there. You know, the the question. There's a few questions we ought to hear, and one one of the questions was whether we had any thoughts on building a simple, inexpensive tokenization of a Reg CF. I think. Um, crowdfunding security. I, I think they meant CF as opposed to kind of a 506C. Um, and and I know, you know, I know like Coinless Republic have kind of teamed up on some of these things where um, certain portions of a tokenization might have had a reg CF component on it. Uh, I don't think T0 has touched reg CF simply because the dollar volume has been a little bit low, but Solomon, you can correct me if that's, you know, that, that's not true because I, I could see how you might allow like a, a dual offering to go through. Yes, exactly, George. So we are seeing dual offerings. And now that it's transitioned from a million cap to a five million cap, it actually makes it you know, somewhat more attractive in terms of us looking at it because you know, our fees, along with you know, everyone's fees on this line, um, actually it makes sense if you're doing a $5 million offering. Um, so we are starting to see a lot more of that uh, since post the actual raise to five million from a, a max raise perspective. And I also think there's a, I mean, one of the advantages of the blockchain is the the fact that the, there is a transparency of the documents and uh, immutability of changing the, and I think for for crowdfunding deals where they're often smaller deals 
And one of the issues you come up with is they say they have X amount of commitments. A really good use of the blockchain would be actually measuring that. I mean, we a couple of years ago, we had there was someone at Kimona who had started a, a, de a debt block a crowdfunding platform. I think it was the first one to get approved. And uh, just talking about the regulations, I mean, I had extensive talks with the SEC about it. And I was like, all the issues you're bringing up, you'd have with any crowdfunding platform. The fact here that we have this uh, this level of transparency of the documents, which is less an issue when you're talking your hundred million dollar deals for everyone counsel. I mean, the the transparency of the blockchain to me is not as valuable, but as in these smaller deals. So I, I do think that there is a real a real a real opportunity to use that element of the blockchain uh, with the transparency and just the fact that you can see what other what what sure the deals are being done. Uh, for a crowdfunding platform where people can get the cost working for it. Yeah. Um, there was another question in the group chat, um, you know, that is, is more of a, more of an advanced question, but I feel like you guys are up for it. Uh, Solomon, it was directed at you, but some of the other folks might jump in as well, which is the question of market makers. Um, and and I'll, I'll rephrase the question just to be more generic. You know, how do um, how does market making work, you know, with security tokens? And, you know, how, how, what's their role in, in kind of your ATS or exchange, et cetera? Um, you know, what sort of, you know, issues or bumps, you know, uh, in that business? Absolutely. So just to clarify, on the teaser ATS, everything is securities. So market makers play the exact same function that market makers would play in any traditional setting. Um, and then also, we are in contact with a number of different market makers. And as you can imagine, the fact that ICE now invested in us, we do get the benefit of a lot of their infrastructure and relationships that come with it. So we uh, definitely are taking a close look at that. And um, all, as we onboard assets, of course, that's also going to correlate with other market participants looking to engage with us. Um, but in terms of any other more granular um, you know, commentary, and I'll leave that to all the lawyers on the line to comment as well. Yeah. Um, there was a question um, that Alon highlighted, which was, you know, what's the best practice for managing an in-game play-to-earn NFT strategy and in-game token for allowing U.S. residents to own both? Uh, I want to highlight that because that's actually a great question, but I think that's way too um, complicated of a question uh, to hit uh, on this hour. So I would say, you know, grab, grab Stephen or Josh or Charles. Um, you know, maybe uh, separately and, and try to uh, talk to them and grab more than one of them just in case they say different things. Um, Not unlikely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, someone asked uh, if you create an LLC for a Web3 or real estate investment company and your investors are members of the LLC, would that company be subject to regulation by the SEC? Can we just do a raise of hands? You know, not legal advice, but do you think they would be, you know, subject to regulation by the SEC? <laughs> I mean, it depends what you mean by regulation. I mean, not to part <laughs> clearly, it's clearly it's clearly a security, uh, but unless something is sold, I don't know where you get the SEC. I mean, you, you, I think you need to you need to have a sale or an investment we, we, we've for, got for, before to actually be an issue that yeah. the SEC get involved in. I think right. the caveat is how how involved are they in management? I mean, is this a closely held LLC where these members are actually managing it? If they're involved in management, it's not a security. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to take the wild guess that when they said, "Hey, we're creating LLC for this," and 
our investors, our members, I'm going to assume that they meant, hey, are these securities? And, you know, probably they are. But, you know, right. go check with your own attorney. Right. Um, I, do, I do want to take the opportunity to throw a, a mind bender at Charles just for a second so he can share some <laughs> of my pain, which is the, the topic of distributed autonomous organizations or DAOs. Oh, yes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing a lot of work here, but, you know, if, if you're selling something to somebody and you don't know who they are and you also don't know how active a role they're going to take in management, what are they? Yeah, and there's interesting... Yeah. And, and there's firms that are trying to do some interesting co-op structures and other structures, yeah. you know, to do DAOs, uh, you know, out of Colorado, et cetera. Uh, very interesting. And in fact, mm -hmm. one of the questions also is, hey, DAOs issued from Marshall Islands backdoor to the U.S., will they be fully regulated? And to Stephen's point, what does fully regulated mean? You know, everything's regulated, even the stuff that seems not regulated, right? Um, but, you know, you know, th this whole misconception of the backdoor to the US. Do you guys want to talk about, you know, when it's a true backdoor and, and when the US is really kind of being blocked off from the um, the activity uh, versus like you've created offshore, but then you're marketing in the US, you know, not truly being backdoor. Does anyone want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, I can give you a really kind of oblique answer. You know, if you do something that triggers the policies behind the law, you're going to end up getting regulated by the law. So, you know, I don't, I don't care really where you're domiciled. If you're selling something into the United States that looks and acts like a security, you know, look at the Howey test, you're going to walk into securities regulation in the United States. There, there's no there's no tricks to that. That just kind of is. And if you've yeah. got the offering in the rear view mirror and you're just you're talking about a market for the for securities or tokens that are out there the sec under the exchange act they have an overriding policy that says you cannot have an active market without adequate information and yeah, although does, that, that, that that one gets a little hairy though on the ones that are out there from outside the united states and then come in and are not financial products because, you know, whether the SEC wants to say so or not, Howie has never been applied to the Exchange Act. And if you really look at the requirements, there's no issue or transaction. So how that works, not sure. I think it's going to be a very results-oriented uh, view. Of course. SEC. Are, are there a lot of people who are at risk? Is, is this so big that it's, I mean, it's, is it like a Facebook where a chunk of the economy is at risk in, in, in unregulated trading of, of an aftermarket in this security uh, most 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 of these will fall under the radar yeah right i mean and that's a very good point i mean the sec contrary to what it would seem has really not made that many recent enforcement actions and almost none uh pure enforcement actions in the nft space i mean there's been some little fraud things here and there so the sec's basically come out and says don't do anything i mean that's a slight over exaggeration but not much and like like lots of like doom and lots of like very strong comments. But what that ended up leading is people are doing kind of everything because it's there hasn't been a number of enforcement actions. And the question is, how do you Charles is right. I mean, if something if something actually could destabilize the economy, I mean, there's billions of dollars involved. The SEC or some some regulator is going to move. But for all the other stuff. There is going to be some people who are probably going to get enforcement actions based on that, possibly because one of their investors is being investigated by the Justice Department for something else, and it comes up as a back door that way. But 
we can't say this as lawyers, but the vast majority of projects are probably going to get away with it. And uh, <laughs> well, how do you tell a client? I mean, so I mean, George said, I mean, what, kind of the opposite here. I mean, the industry is fascinating in terms of the number of issues we're dealing with, but in terms of actually getting paying clients to be happy, it's not not always as easy in this space. But you got it. So so takeaways: if you hire Steven Rutenberg, there's a there's a <laughs> high chance that you're gonna get away with it anyway. Um, but if not, you know he's there to protect you. Hey Solomon, no. I, I got a I got a question sorry, for you, and 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 this is for everyone really, um, but it's it's more for you. You know, um, you know, there was this idea that crypto was you know gave this promise of this intermediation. You know, you know things would become more efficient. We'd eliminate parties that had no reason to be there. We'd make things more accurate, etc. So, you know, looking at T zero, you know, has there been any? extra efficiency has there been any improvement or is it really you know same old thing different players you know you know you know just different intermediaries i think it has been incremental uh, efficiencies and it's going to continue to be incremental i think everybody thought day one is going to be all blockchain everything but I, we're not in the business of doing any type of regulatory arbitrage so we work alongside um, the, uh, the regulators in order to see what they give guidance on. And then that's kind of how we push the boundaries of the blockchain application within our ecosystem. Um, so there has been efficiencies that have already been gained and there will be more, right? That's going to, it's going to be a, a evolving. I, I think the reason why um, ICE and a lot of these other uh, counterparties that are uh, working with us in terms of on the issuance side or whether it's on the broker dealer subscriber side, they know we're taking a conservative route toward doing this and we continue to be advocates of pushing the technology. But I think just even next quarter, we will combine our crypto business and our digital securities business, for example. There'll be some efficiencies that are gained from that. And then we will move to, we already moved to self-clearing. You know, that was naturally an operational improvement, but we do in, intend on adding more and more blockchain um, in, throughout the whole life cycle of trading, if you will. Can, can you explain um, self-clearing? Like why, why, I was hoping you'd mention that, uh, you know, why is that significant? So it was it's significant from a couple of different points of view. One, we wanted to vertically integrate so we didn't have a dependency on an out, outside party. Um, just from an asset onboarding perspective, it actually um, uh, streamlines the process. We have great, we've had historically great clearing relationships, but in general, that was something from an operations perspective that we want to do. Also, it put us on the right path to actually combining the, the crypto business and the digital securities business being self-clearing was a requirement in doing so. We've also been approved for public equity. So we truly are going to be a unified um, trading ecosystem. Um, but self-clearing to answer your question was uh, crucial from an operations perspective to combine our crypto business and our digital securities business and also move towards um, instant settlement as well. Right now we were doing same day settlement. We needed to have self-clearing to facilitate instant settlement um, and also have a clear path toward 24 seven trading, right? Um, that requires obviously some human capital needs as well to do that. but that all was basically dependent on self-clearing got it uh we only have about you know six minutes or so left uh the, there's one question that alon has sent over from the group chat which was you know do you guys think that any crypto legislation is coming down um and and, and i'll refine that question a little bit you know and, and say do you think maybe in 2022 there will be legislation you know that materially impacts security tokens you know just to kind of focus the question a little bit more um what do you guys you know what's your feeling if you gave me 18 months i'd say absolutely 
I'm skeptical if the government can't legalize pot, even though it's legalized <laughs> sport, if they actually can make a material change here. But uh, I'm, uh, I think, and I, I think it, it's possible. And I think lawyers and active industry, I mean, we're already doing a lot, but I think the clearer we send a message that this is a regulation that'll work, there still is, as we mentioned at the beginning of the, se- the session here, some resistance to regulation at all and some fed up with regulation. And uh, But if we could speak with a voice about what kind of regulations are important to this industry, I think there is a bipartisan sense that this is an important technology. There's a bipartisan sense that even if people are scared of it, that we don't want to lose the, U- lose the U.S. being here. And I think there is there is space to go, but I think we also need to kind of speak as a semi-unified voice of what regulations we think could work. Oh, t- to that point, I'll, I'll throw out a, a little bit of a plug for the Chamber of Digital Commerce, um, which I'm, I'm a member of, which is a lobbying organization. And I'm not allowed to say exactly what they're up to or who they're <laughs> up to. Um, but like I say, I, I feel pretty good that within 18 months or so, there should be something of a meaningful change. Um, I really hope so, because I don't want to have to be an accredited investor to buy a piece of art. Yeah, and while Charles, before you speak on that, you know, just you know, Chamber of Digital Commerce, um, you know, all, you know, Blockchain Association, all these places, uh, if you guys can definitely join them, Chamber of Digital Commerce is going to have a you know, um, educate the you know Congress uh, day coming up in um, in May. If you join the chamber, you can kind of participate, uh, go go to the hill and and you know help fight the good cause. So uh, please do think about that. I think it's important for our industry to uh, band together and, and do uh, lobbying on a uh, coordinated basis. Uh, sorry, Charles. No, it's okay. I, I was just going to say, I think, you know, we've, we've been through several years now where the SEC has insisted that um, these new financial products and instruments can easily fit under the 80-year-old statutory framework. No new laws are needed. They'll cram it in there to, to, to work. And, and I, I think there's, there's some cracks showing now where even the SEC is admitting that the the existing framework is not adequate, and it would be great if we had um, uh, statutes that really address the, these new products. And from my perspective, I, I definitely think um, regulation is coming, and T Zero is well positioned to address it head on. Um, and we are part of the uh, Chamber of Digital Commerce as well. Um, you know, we've got two minutes. Uh, are you guys? Are is can each one of you guys? Uh, are you guys staying to? Do the remote tables? Does anyone have to leave? No, about 20 okay. minutes. All right, cool. Um, you know, hang out for like 30 minutes or so, uh, and then everybody can do networking. There's the link um, for anyone that's not on there, but I think everyone that's on here is already on there. Um, uh, any, you know, really just really quickly, how do people find you, Solomon, Josh, Stephen, Charles? Um, from a T0 perspective, feel free to reach out to us at sales at T0 if you're looking um, to discuss whether it's just partnerships or whether it's um, identifying an asset to that you would like to have tokenized and trade. And we're happy to have um, conversations regarding any of the topics um, because we understand that the initial conversation tends to be educational. So uh, we're uh, happy to have dialogue regarding any of these scenarios. Sales at T0.com. All right, great. Josh? Uh, you can get me at jlawler at zuberlawler. Dot, uh, com is my, my email. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, I'm at Charles Kaufman at LexQuityPC.com. Charles Kaufman, just as it's written on the screen, 
Lexcuity is L-E-X-C-U-I-T-Y.com. Stephen? Sorry. You're on mute. Just Google, just Google Stephen Rutenberg or Bitblog or Pulsinelli Bitblog and uh, we'll come, we'll come, we'll come, we'll come, we'll come up either LinkedIn, on Telegram and all the other, all the other things. Yep, and I am contact your at pretty good domain, but don't contact me. Contact one of the other four folks here. Though, <laughs> so if you ever really need anything in this industry, Jor is the person to go to. Jor, Jor is your guy. Yep, that's definitely true. All right, um, I'll see you guys in the rooms. Let's try to separate, spread out, not all be in the same room, please. I didn't want to be in the same room as you, anyways, Jor. <laughs> all right, I'll see you. Guys. Uh, thank you, Jor. Thank you. Everyone. Not sure how Bye. to do that.